Grace, mercy, and peace to each one of you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you please bow your head with me? Heavenly Father, we know that you've promised that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void. So we pray this morning that that promise would hold forth in our own hearts. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. If you've been keeping up with the chapel services this week, you'll remember that we've been talking about mediators and priests. And, well, priests are mediators, actually, and the Jewish high priest was considered to be the holiest person in the kingdom. He wore special clothes, actually. He was instructed in what to wear by God's law itself. He had special laws that applied only to him. He had a special hat that he wore to keep his hair from showing. And he had a special job to do that partly was to oversee the the daily operations of the temple and oversee the dozens and dozens of other priests who worked in the temple offering sacrifices and doing what other daily duties that they had. But his most important duty, the single most important thing he did, was to go once a year into what was called the Holy of Holies or the Most Holy Place, a special chamber there in the temple where the Ark of the Covenant rested and where God dwelt sort of in a tangible way, you might say, with his people there. And the priest would, would go into that place once a year carrying a bowl of blood from a sacrificial animal. On this day, that was called the Day of the Atonement, he would get up early and before he went to the, to the most holy place, he would first sacrifice a bull. Sacrifice a bull for his own sins and the sins of his family, Jewish tradition has it. And then after that was done, he would sacrifice a goat. And he would take some of the blood of that goat, put it in a bull, and that was what he would carry into the most holy place. But only after he dressed in a white robe and then he was fit, so to speak, to go into the most holy place. And only, according to Jewish tradition, if he were repentant. The tradition has it that there were lots of priests who died on that day of atonement, in, either in or as they entered the most holy place. don't know how true that is, but that is something that I have read from Jewish sources. But he would go in there and he would meet with God. Our lesson for this morning refers to that high priest. And a contrast is drawn between the high priest, that is those dozens of high priests that were in place for over a thousand years while the Old Testament years drew on. Contrast is drawn between him and our new high priest, who is Jesus himself. So let's turn our attention, shall we, to this passage where this contrast is drawn, and it's found in Hebrews chapter 7, beginning with verse 26, and here's what it reads. 
For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as priests men who have weaknesses. But the word of the oath, which came after the law, that's the promise, appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Here ends our reading, and it's the word of God upon which we want to meditate for the next few minutes. Well, there is a high priest mentioned here, well, the two high priests actually mentioned in this passage, but notice that it is assumed before the passage ever begins. In fact, it's assumed before the whole book of Hebrews, where this passage is from, and in fact, in the whole Bible is just assumed that we need a high priest. In fact, you'll find high priests in religions all over the world and, and religions that have now gone by the wayside that existed hundreds of years ago. You find these, these high priests in religions all over the world and their job was to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people, sacrifices for their sins, and also to make requests, that is, prayers to their gods, and in this case, to the one true God. And notice the description here. Well, by the way, I was going to say this. I, it just flew right out of my mind, but it's back, so I'll mention it. It is only in our day, isn't it, it seems like to me, that we have people who believe we don't need a high priest. Only modern man thinks this, isn't it? Isn't it odd? Anyway, back to our lesson. And our lesson begins with a description here. These adjectives that are mentioned at the very beginning. And uh, let's read those again. This is what the high priest... Let me say it another way. This is Well, let me just say it the way it says it. The, our, the high priest that is fitting for us, that is the one we really need... It's not the one the Jews had, but it's the one they really needed, and the one we need is what? Holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. In other words, we need someone who is holy enough to be able to walk into the throne room of God himself and make the sacrifice there for us. That's what we need. That's the kind we need. Holy, harmless, undefiled. And when the author is writing these adjectives, now he's making a contrast. He's, the contrast is between the kinds of high priests they had had for over a thousand years and the new high priest, which was Jesus. But by contrast, these adjectives also apply to us. But... By contrast, for example, let me ask the question, are you holy? Are you undefiled? Are you harmless? We like to think of ourselves as pretty harmless. We don't hurt people, do we? And yet the words of our mouths often harm people. Separate from sinners. By the way, I thought that the Bible said that 
that Jesus ate and drank with sinners. What does this mean? Separate from sinners. How can he eat and drink with sinners if he's sit at table with them, talk with them, walk with them, if he is separate from sinners? Well, doesn't mean he's locally separated from sinners. What it means is that this is a category distinction. He is in a distinct category from sinners. He's not in the same category that we are. We're in the category with sinners. He's in a different category, right? We have category distinctions all the time that we make. When we have a, when we have a Thanksgiving reunion and it's time for dinner, maybe at your house you had, you had the adult table and you had the kids' table, and they might have been in the same room, but different categories, right? People who sat at those tables were different categories. And then, of course, you've got, the, I guess, the, the 12-year-olds who don't want to be in either category. But, but that's a category distinction, and we make those kinds of distinctions all the time, and that's what it is saying about Jesus. What we need in a high priest is someone who is of a distinctly different category, and that's the contrast. The first contrast we see in this passage is in the type of, of high priest. And then secondly, we see a contrast in the kind of sacrifice made by those high priests. The priests of the Old Testament were continually, year after year, offering sacrifices. First for their own sins, it says, and then for the people's. But then notice, Jesus doesn't need to do that. In fact, that is the very issue that is contrasted here. It says he does not daily need to offer sacrifices first for himself and then for the people. Now, why not? Well, because the sacrifice he made of himself was different than the sacrifice. Another category distinction, isn't it? Was different than the sacrifice made by those first high priests. Those were sacrifices of bulls and goats. And the Bible says this, that the blood of bulls and goats could never really take away sins. They were offered to point people to the real sacrifice that would be made one day when Jesus would come. And once he was come, there is no more need for sacrifice. Now why? Well, because his sacrifice was not finite like those priest offers a sacrifice and people sin the next day they got to have another sacrifice because the sacrifice of bulls and goats those are finite what we need is an infinite sacrifice and it just so happens that Jesus was God and he could make an infinite sacrifice for our sins and that's what he did and that takes away the sin of the world I would be remiss, I think, if I did not make a word of application here. And that is this. The, the blood of bulls and goats could never really take away sins. And neither can your sacrifices. You know? Sometimes you get the idea. You, f- you feel guilty about something and you, you just feel like, well, gee, I, I acted in a horrible manner yesterday. I'm just going to be the best I can be today and tomorrow and the next day. And, and eventually, maybe if I do that long enough, I'll make up for it. Or maybe if I apologize to God a thousand times for that, 
for that one sin that lies heavy on my heart. If I apologize a thousand times, that'll be enough. You know, you don't have to do that. Your sacrifices won't take away your sin. Jesus already has. And his blood is already in the throne room pleading on your behalf. It already covers your sins. The Bible, when the Bible says that his son cleanses us from all sin, it is a fact. And so instead of apologizing to God a thousand times for a sin, why not apologize once, confess it to him, and then thank him a thousand times that he's taken it away? Would you please bow your head with me now? Gracious God, you have caused your beloved son to take our nature upon himself and then sacrifice himself that he might pay the price for our sins. Mercifully grant us a believing knowledge of this so that we may follow the example that he has given to us and be made partakers of the benefits of his sacred passion and death. Through the same, your beloved Jesus, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.